Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to travel to sunny Florida, which is great because we're going to talk about a tough topic, a digital transformation, right? Many companies are moving from on-premises to cloud and they may not have experience with that because it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? But that's why you need to have experienced operators and advisors who can help you to do this. And that's why we're going to talk to Marco Santos, who is the CEO Americas of GFT Group. And we're going to talk about digital transformation. We're going to talk about cloud. Why is it important? Why is it helpful or not? And anything related to that, using technology in financial services. So welcome, Marco. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Rudolf. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here with you. All right. So, Marco, tell us, how did you get to do what you do today? I started my career on computer science, so everything started with information technology. Then I moved to sales, and I combined sales with information technology. Then I to focus on people, on talent. I think that talent is super key today on our technology industry and to support all the digital transformations. And then I also bring into my agenda impact, how we can create an impact and create something that is exponential. Uh, right, for the business that we have and for the society. So that's that's the underlining elements of Marco. I started at GFT 11 years, almost it's almost 12 years ago. And I started at, as a country manager at GFT Brazil. And I increased considerably the business there. You were just 80 guys down there in Brazil when I started. No clients at all in the market. And we, we grew. Now we are more than 3,000 people in Brazil working with you know, Fortune 500 companies in the country. And then I expanded to Latin America, my scope of work. I in compare, I took the leadership of Mexico, of Costa Rica, and then CEO Latin America. Around two years two years and, and some months ago, I, I started to take care of GFT United States, USA. And recently, I was appointed also the, to lead GFT Canada. And then I integrated the whole Americas in one single operation and now assuming as the CEO at GFT Americas. Oh, wow. Great. Let's then dive into it, right? So maybe let's explain to people what is GFT first, and then we can talk about digital transformation and more. Fantastic. GFT is IT multinational. We are headquartered in German. We are publicly listed in the German stock exchange. GFT has been working with digital transformation projects for a long time. We grew up in financial service. We're very strong in financial service, banking, investment banking, private banking, insurance. And I I must say that over the last three years, four years, we've been also expanding outside of financial service as you see many organizations in the world that want to 
drive payments, right? Create digital wallets and be also financial service. So we've been very well positioned to help those other industries, other organizations. But I would say that we are seven, around 70% of our business is focused on digital transformation projects for financial service organizations. We are operate across the globe. We are more in more than 16 countries today. And we have more than 10,000 engineers and consultants across the globe. And we've been working and we've been expanding considerably our business on, on this you know, digital transformation umbrella, which for us, we, cons- we, we, cons- we understand that it's cloud transformation. It is implementation of uh, new next generation platforms as a service, implementation of uh, new customer experience applications, also new digital platforms to connect B2B and all open services, AI, naturally data and AI. All right, understood. So let's dive into it because you work with large clients and while the end state may be very attractive, cloud native, agile, quick to roll out new features and things like this, but it may be also a bit scary for them to embark on this journey. So how do you transform incumbents into data-driven agile organizations without this sort of transition threatening their core business? Very good point. We have been helping larger organizations, larger, uh, largest banks and financial service organizations and also manufacturing right now to move to cloud and to help them create new IT architectures that are going to enable to be data-driven and more agile, as you said. And to do that, we are, we've been working in new business units. So usually those organizations, when they want to create a new business unit, they, they want to create something new and they've been deploying those new techniques, right, with a new a new a new agile culture, and also a new IT architecture, data-driven, cloud-native, open services, AI-oriented. And and we've been helping those organizations to implement those new business units based on those new technologies. We see some other incumbents and large organizations that they are, um, they after they successfully implement those new IT architectures, the next generation IT architectures into new business units. And then they started to roll it out and go step by step and substitute and replace elements of their core, right? In a way that you can mitigate, right, the, the transition process, right? And make it more, let's say, straightforward, right? And, and more and more in order to avoid risks for the obviously the core business. Understood, right? So people, the leaders, they care about de-risking and uh, you have some ideas how to deal with that and experience. But let's start with maybe one specific question, but it could be quite fundamental when you deal with banks. It may not be an issue in some countries on some markets because, for example, the US is big, right? So maybe if you go into a cloud, you don't have an issue that the server would be in Mexico, right? Probably would be in the United States. But in Europe, you have smaller markets and in many jurisdictions, like in Switzerland, the governments or the legislation prevents you from sharing client data abroad and storing it on servers abroad. So how can you use the cloud in banking when you have such limitations when it comes to protecting client data? 
very good question. So first, as you rightly stated, we have we have regulations, right? So we have country regulations on the financial system. And um, and what what we see today that the the hyperscale cloud providers, the, I'd say the large cloud providers, they have created they have created a comprehensive distribution of of servers, right, to support their clouds. And that distribution of services are are in line with the requirements of the uh, of the you know I'd say a considerable amount of countries, right? So that's happening obviously by design in North America for most of the country, countries in the European Community, in Asia and Latin America. So you see today, and this thing is growing. So we, if you count on the hyperscale cloud cloud providers, you you definitely are going to be in line with the regulatory requirements of of those countries that in the, the regions that I mentioned. Okay, say you have client information about credit card transactions, so you slice it and the client master data with your name and address and your client account number stays in your country, and the transactional data are processed on servers abroad right and then you just put it together when you need it through some sort of key code so in other words what the data that you get exported to another country are anonymous right because nobody knows or cares what's on those transactions other than who actually made those sets right absolutely absolutely there are many i say strategies for you to decoupling the data and then and yeah then exactly make, and then make it and make it uh, compliance with the regulatory the, the regulatory requests, right? And, and as you said, we can we you can decouple it, and then we can keep the, the specific data which is related to the client, which is related to and decouple it with the transactions, and you can make a solution. Okay, so considering all these developments when it comes to regulations, the technology, competitive pressures. What would you say? Are banks more open to migration to the cloud now than, say, five years ago? Absolutely, absolutely. Can I remember, like today, talking to CIOs and CTOs from banks and financial service organizations in Americas five years ago and four years ago, and and the discussion the discussion around cloud was really minimal. And I remember that most of the discussions they simply didn't consider to go to the clouds for the core, for the key, for the key elements or there of their RT architecture. But it's shifted shifted completely. What I see today is that all the big banks and financial service organizations they are they've been accelerating and moving as fast as possible to go to cloud, to migrate to the cloud and to transform themselves in more flexible, more agile IT architectures, right? So this is, for me, there is no doubt. And we see the great majority of the banks in US, in Canada, Latin America, and Europe moving to the clouds. And, and I tell you, accelerating their cloud transformation journeys. All right, makes sense. Can you share, though, when you're having discussions with your potential clients, what are you talking about when it comes to pros and cons of moving to the cloud, right? So maybe if you are a cloud native or if you're a fintech, it's clear to you. But if you're an incumbent, you obviously 
have some costs to, to think about, some risks to think about. So what is the balance view of when you are discussing a transition like this? As I mentioned before, I think it's, it's, it's anonymous right now with the key banks and financial service organizations to move to the cloud. So they really put in the balance and the problem, you know, much, much, much stronger, right, than the, the cons. And the pros are, they conclude that they need to have next generation IT architecture to support their business, their current business, and to support their future business. And that those next generation IT architectures, they must be open service, they must be data-driven, they must be, they must support AI, they should, they, they must be on the cloud, uh, cloud native. And, uh, and the pros are to create architectures that are going to make the business to be faster, to create new products and deliver new products faster, cheap, much cheaper in a agile way. Okay, so this is, the game is efficiency at scale and, and agility. And, and those are the key pros, right, for the organizations. And they see and they face the competition with fintechs, with new banks, and also the competition for new companies that take care of life moments with new business models that are driving the life moments offered the customers and, and also un- driving payments, driving financial services, right? And, uh, and the only way to, to compete with, on this you know, new landscape that is evolving and changing quarter by quarter, year over year, is to have a lean IT architecture. So the pros, let's say, now are quite obvious and are quite transparent for the C-level of the banks and financial service organizations, which are, number one, be more efficient at scale and fast. Okay, so that's... And then if you can ask me, Marco, what are, what are the cons? The cons, I would say, we had the discussions of we have a capex, so we have some considerable amounts of investments to start the migration. And what is the payback for that? But even with that, let's say, last discussion, which was, which was considered a con on that, on that whole equation, even now it's, it's more clear, especially with the large-scale cloud providers bringing and helping funds for the clients to accelerate their cloud migration. So I would say that the last mile of the discussion, the last bullet points of cons, I would say that now is uh, is uh, overtaken, right? So we are now changing that element to, to an element that is neutral or even a pro. Look, I can see the net result would be pro, right? But let me help you with the cons if you cannot bring yourself to come up with some, right? Absolutely, so, absolutely. So, ahead, uh, for example, if it's core banking, many managers, they see this is the heart of the organization, right? So they feel uneasy about outsourcing it to another company, let alone another vendor, right? So if for whatever reason they would like to switch the vendor, how easy is this to switch from one cloud provider to another down the line? Say five years later, we realize that uh, this provider moved servers somewhere else, the service levels dropped, this and that. We want to go with someone else. How easy is this? Now, are we hostage to this first one or is there a way to do it? Very good question. Very good point. Very good point. 
what we see today is that the, the big financial service organizations and banks and insurance companies, they start their cloud journey with one prime cloud, but they think on the long run on a multi-cloud strategy. So they want to start with one, but they do not want to, let's say, be 100% dependent on that cloud. So they are also bringing on their strategy at least a second large-scale cloud provider that, that can support their multi-cloud strategy. Okay, And, and that's, a, that, that's a constant discussion that we are having, and we are helping our clients moving, moving on a cloud, on a multi-cloud strategy. And, and when you talk about, so if, when you choose a database, when, you, when a, a, a bank chooses a database, uh, which is going to be provider A, B, or C, you have some sort of dependence on that database. The same way that you choose a language to develop the great majority of your applications. You create a dependence on that language, and it's the same thing with cloud. So it's the actually it's the same it's the same thing that we have faced with monolithical applications with monolithical approach in the past. Okay, again, I recognize that there are some dependence because if you wanna I'd say get the maximum out of the functionality of a specific cloud that you choose, you're gonna utilize specific functions and then you're gonna create dependence. Right, you are going to be connected with that. Okay, so they, I'd say the the way to to mitigate this level of dependence is that you keep on your strategy on your long run to have a multi-cloud strategy, at least two clouds, and then you can balance out some of your IT architecture on those on those clouds. Okay, sounds good. So it's Bankers should always tell you, or asset management company or wealth management, diversify, right? So you can do this with cloud as well. Now, maybe the next consideration for a regulated company like a bank would be security. How secure is this to use the cloud if you were to compare it on-premises? Sometimes the banks really were proud of their security, right? It is their system. They control it. They see it. But now it's going to be on a server in Norway and they can cut the lines or something or hack it in the middle. How would you respond to this sort of concern? Very good point. The security was also, it was a major concern five years ago. I think it was one of the key elements of the discussions against or in terms of concern for clouds five years ago. And it reduced it four, three years ago. And it's, it's been, let's say, reducing this concern around security. And what is the truth right now in the reality? The clouds, the key cloud providers, they are creating right now, based upon critical mass, based upon the level of, and the amount of uh, clients, applications, systems, technology, and data that are coming to their clouds hubs they are becoming much more efficient and much more agile in order to develop new security mechanisms and tools than the individual bank, the individual organization, financial service organizations. So that's a reality, right? So we saw three years ago that the bank A, B, C, they were proud of all their security, as you mentioned. But now the discussions that I'm having with, with the key banks, financial service organization insurance, they realize that individually their IT 
monolithic and isolated landscapes cannot compete with the scalability, with the amount of innovation, the pace of innovation, the new technologies and tools and data and critical mass that the cloud providers are bringing on the table. And, uh, and I tell you that now they realize that the cloud infrastructures today, they are, they are much more secure than the individual organizations, regardless of the size of the organizations and the industry that the organization operates. All right. So I think we talked about the benefits when it comes to costs, right? So I can see that this is a similar kind of idea because cloud providers, they have infrastructure that serves many companies, many super large companies, then of course uh, the cost can, of investments and capex can spread out on more users and it can be more efficient. Similarly, this includes also cybersecurity, as you mentioned, right? So it can attract uh, more talent, etc. But uh, maybe one key element, not to dwell on it too much, but what about the connectivity? I can see that the software at the data center or server of the cloud company is super fantastic. Maybe also what they deploy on the bank side. How secure is the? How secure are the lines in between? Yeah, this is, you you mention a point that depending upon the application, the use case, then latency comes into an, I'd say an important element of consideration. Yeah, and then yes, and then I agree that depend again depending upon the use case and the application, the specific application the latency is going to, if you have something on-prem, we can deliver at the very end something of, say, with less latency than if it's spread with the clouds, right? So this is an element of, of consideration, again, that, that, should be, that should be evaluated for specific applications, right? So super, let's say, high-frequency applications, right? And this, is, this can be a potential count. Right, depending upon your application. Yeah, I definitely agree in support of that. Again, I think it's a matter of you make the right assessment for all the pros and cons that you are evaluating for a specific use case. All right, latency is one thing, but uh, when it comes to connectivity, I was asking also about security, right? And you can say that this has to do with reliability or dependability, right? So I don't want any disconnects. I don't want anybody else to plug into the network. I don't know if they can ever find the cables. <laughs> maybe not. So maybe if you can just close out on this one, what about the security in addition to latency when it comes to communicating between the data centers that are far away from you on-premise? No, I think on, on, specifically in that sense, uh, clouds uh, can be even more efficient. It can be even more efficient because if you have if you have an on-prem but you have multiple data centers, I'd say on multiple on-premise data centers, they are connected through the telcos, right? Through the telecoms, and and if you have it on the clouds, you can have the same virtual data centers connected in the clouds, and the reliability is gonna be is gonna be stronger in the cloud compared to if you connect them on-prem stuff okay. through yeah. telcos. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So basically, you can have virtual data centers. You can also move them around, right? So it's like when you had this business interruption plan in the past and you had to have a data center somewhere else, things like this. 
with the cloud, you can Absolutely. actually have a yeah. data center that will move in seconds somewhere else, right? And yeah, if you go down the line of that discussion about disaster recovery strategies, right? And, and everything that is around on that is going to provide much more efficient, much more faster and reliable architecture that is going to guarantee a disaster recovery for your, for your organization. Okay, so let's say I'm sold on this if I were <laughs> on the other side of a client. And now tell me how long would that take? Right. And how could I de-risk it? In other words, I don't want to move all my core banking from my whole bank into this in one go. And even if I test it and I do it over the weekends, like in the good old days, then I plug it on Monday and something breaks down. I don't want to be in that position. Right? So first thing is, how long does it take to go live? And second, how can I de-risk it so I will not have any stumbles once I'm live? Perfect. The, the timelines are that are going to be related to the complexity right of your IT architecture the amount of applications the technology that you have right if you're talking about a large bank or a mid-sized bank right financial mid-sized financial service organizations but let's let's look at the uh, say big incumbents right big banks as an example the 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 migration to the cloud journey they are going it's going to take it's going to take a few years, their cloud journeys for a big organization, for large scale banks. And, and the interesting thing based upon our clients and the experience of our current clients that are under this journey is that, number one, they started to migrate elements that are not in the core, number one. Num number two, started to implement new cores, next generation cloud native course for new business units, right? And then expand those next generation architectures to encompass elements of the core. And then they started to migrate the core itself, start to decouple the core, the monolithicals, right? Applications on the core and decouple it, start to decouple it piece by piece and then bring it to clouds. So that's the journey that we've been seeing with some big organizations. We are, we are working for one of the three largest banks in the United States, three largest banks in Latin America, and they are moving like that. Okay, that journey will take some years to be completed. And I would say that it can take, it can be a journey of five years for a, a complete cloud migration of, the, of talking about Large-scale banks, okay? If we are talking about big banks, big financial service organizations, this journey can be streamlined, and we can see that th those journeys coming from one year and maybe two, maybe three years. And if you are talking about the mid-sized financial service organizations, we can we see projects that are going in 12 months or one year and a half or 18 months. So that's the that's those are the timelines that we for those if I can buy break down the banks and financial service organizations. The important thing is to start and embark in this journey because the amount and the pros they really they are really today much stronger, right? So they compared to the cons and and there is no no one single receipt for all the financial service organizations, right? So to, again, it depends upon your technology. The way that the application was built up, the monolithical elements that you have, 
and and how you can let's say slice and go step by step in agile way with agile approach to to migrate to the cloud your IT architecture. So it's modular, twelve to eighteen months. All right, so great stuff. It seems like a tough work, right? But it also looks like the end state is something where incumbents can compete with neobanks and digital banks. They can roll out new features more quickly. They can manage their costs better. They can be more flexible. This is what everybody wants these days. So is there any further reading that you can recommend? Maybe it's a book or it's a research study that you have done that people can have a look at and learn about this more. Yeah, it's, what is for me an, a one-of-a-kind reading, the business reading, it's not specifically, it's called Exponential Organization. I've, I strongly recommend that you to read this one. And this, you can really understand what are the, what is the need to be an exponential organization, to be prepared to tackle this, those exponentials, opportunities and exponentials forces, stress force that, that come to you. And, and then I think that with this, you can understand why it's important to have a lean and a next generation IT architecture right? to support. All right. So sounds great. So exponential organization, you said, right? From Salinas Mayo. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'll put the links in the show notes. No worries. Thanks for the tip. So one last thing, what's the best way to reach out either to you or to your company, if people are interested in getting on this journey with you. You can reach me out through LinkedIn, Marco Santos, GFT. All right, wonderful. So thank you so much, Marco. Good luck to you and to GFT. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.